This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome in. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White, here today with Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Wilts Contreras out this week. Elon Musk is worth north of $20 billion. He is the founder of PayPal, Tesla, and SpaceX, among other companies. He's got quite the interesting portfolio of investments and interests, and he seems to always be in the news for one reason or another. With that in mind, if you were a tech mogul with which money were no object, how would you spend that money? How would you invest not just your money but your time? What would you do to try to make the world a better place through technology if money were no object for you? Call us up today with uh, uh, your answer, your ideas. I know you're already thinking about what you would do. Java was talking to me during the news break. He was like, who came up with this topic? And I was like, it was me. And he was like, oh, man. I said, you're thinking about it, aren't you? He said, yep. I said, you want to jump in? No, of course. You can call us up today with your ideas and fill in the space where Java would talk. One eight seven seven mpb ring is the number. That's one 672 7464 Of course, we'll, all, we'll have uh, lots of tech news from the week and much, much more. And a good morning to you, Jeremy. How's it going? morning, Jay. Doing well down here in Hattiesburg, hot as always. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's been, in the Jackson metro area, It's it's been spot showers for a lot of the week, and they can't decide if it if it wants to be cool for a minute, but it gives you some, some remembrances of maybe the spring or the fall, whichever you prefer. Uh, but uh, it, My it, thermometer it, keeps bouncing between pleasant and excruciating. <laughs> right. Right. I, uh, I I have one of those, I guess, uh, external thermometers in my car. And so when I get in and I turn it on in the afternoon when I'm leaving here, it always says something like 114 or something like that. And right. like, That's not right. right, I don't think. But it could be. So what's going on uh, uh, this week in, in uh, your world down in Hattiesburg? Uh, got some interesting things that you've been looking at, that you've uh, that you've dealt with, that you've been uh, pulling apart and digging through and trying to rebuild down there? Uh, well, uh, I've been doing uh, some data recovery, which is, you know, usual weekly work. Just uh, sometimes uh, we'll have a machine come in and we'll you know, reinstall windows on it or whatever. And it'll work perfectly fine for a little while and then it'll start acting crazy and then all of a sudden it won't boot and then all of a sudden we're dealing with a dead hard drive so uh trying to just recover data from those can be uh extremely time consuming and usually a, a waste of time actually just because uh once once the drive starts going and we start getting read and write errors um it's it can be very very difficult to pull the data off sometimes for people uh, so I've been continuing with that yeah. for, for people who go uh, who wind up dealing with that issue. I, I, I would suspect at some point or another, anybody who owns a computer has a hard drive deal at some point or another. Um, yeah. w- without getting too far into the weeds, w- what what do you have to do? You said it's kind of like a time-consuming thing. W- what is it that you actually have to do to try to draw the information off a, 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 a cooked hard drive? Well, see, uh, when the hard drive starts going bad, it can start acting erratically in a number of ways. One of those ways is um, we can actually hook the drive up and we can look at the data, but we can't access anything on it. We get permission errors and so forth. 
So I have to go in and use data recovery software to scan the drive to try to pull the files off. But if we're getting I.O. errors, which is an input-output error, that means that the drive is not communicating consistently, so we're not going to get all the information. We're going to get little chunks, so it's not going to be enough to actually retrieve data. So my job is to go through and sift through the chunks and find out what actually is salvageable so that we can restore it. Wow. Uh, is it kind of like digging needles out of a haystack? Uh, it's it's more like uh, you you take files and you copy them over to um, a different drive because you don't want to use the same drive, of course. Yeah. Um, when you copy them over, you just have to click on the files and check and see if they work. And in some cases, they will open up or they'll, they'll you know, files have so much information that's attached to them, like date created, date modified, et cetera, et cetera. If all of that information falls out of sync, the whole file can get messed up. Yeah. Um, even just the file extension can get messed up. The little three-digit designation on the end of the file that's mostly disappeared from computers, but you know, from the 90s through the 2000s, like you would see those three-letter file extensions on the back of every file you had. Well, those extensions can get messed up, so you have to go in there and fix them. Wow. Sounds yeah, like fun. So I was... Well, I was recovering data for uh, a client recently that um, they didn't have a failing hard drive. They had something, uh, they said the data was deleted from the drive. Well, I scrubbed it and I was able to pull off video files. But when I pulled off the video files, the file extension was broken. So I had to actually go in there and just tell it, okay, it's this kind of file. And then it would let me read it. So it's just little, little things like that, that, you know, it can make it look like, oh, I didn't get anything, but I really did. I just have to sift through the chunks and try a few little things here and there. Yeah. I'm sure that I've confused everybody. Um, another thing that I was working on uh, yesterday, I was at my client's house. Uh, she's 85, and um, her eyesight is not what it once was. Um, she was telling me that she could not see her computer screen, and she complained of seeing too much blue light. And I said, okay. Well, she's got Windows 7, so the user accessibility options are a little limited in Windows 7. I can't change a lot. I mean, there's certain contrasts and things you can change, but when you get into changing contrast in Windows, it can make your Windows look really ugly. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not consistent across all of the programs. Like, you can change the contrast in Windows, but that's not going to change the contrast in, say, Google Chrome or anything like that. And she uses her computer mostly for checking her emails, so that wouldn't really help her issue. So uh, to reduce the blue light on her screen, I, uh, I pulled out my laptop, which is running Windows 10, and I put it in grayscale mode. And I put it up on her desk, and I said, how does this look? Can you see this? And she said, oh, yes, that's so much better because it's just black and white. She doesn't have to deal with any of that blue light, so she could see it much better. So now... Um, we're going to go shopping for her and find her a newer computer with Windows 10 on it so we can put it in grayscale mode so she can check her email and be able to see her screen again. I, I thought I would share that because I'm sure there's some other listeners out there that have trouble seeing their screens, and you may want to check out yeah. uh, looking into grayscale mode because that may help you a lot. You may have issues with blue light as well. Very interesting. All right. Well, Coming up later on in the show, um, we'll talk about uh, the... The Sony Rion, am I saying that right? Uh, pocket. I, I, 
I think. Uh, right. And I'm super interested about this, and I'm glad you've dug into it a little bit. The, it's a pocket AC slash heater uh, that, that's made a lot of news in the last week or so. Uh, a pocket air conditioner, I think, uh, had might have quite the market in the state of Mississippi. So uh, I think a lot of people would be interested to hear about that. Also, um, the on again, off again, back on again, maybe, maybe not, <laughs> Samsung Fold is yes. uh, seemingly back on again. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, as well as uh, some interesting things uh, that have been happening in the news of tech um, uh, throughout the world, including um, kind of the, the the inspiration for our topic this week, Elon Musk and his Tesla cars introducing uh, the ability to stream uh, Netflix and YouTube from the console of your car, uh, but only when it's parked. I suppose uh, there is some <laughs> some normalcy to that still, but once you are in park, it also plays games. By the way, it's all it's already introduced games like Fallout Shelter and a couple of uh, a handful of Atari titles, including like Pole Position and Missile Command. And when you are in park, you can use the steering wheel as a controller, and that makes me feel super old. All right, we'll get uh, right into the phones. We'll start it off. Uh, with Byron on the line with us. Byron, thanks for calling Everyday Tech. How's it going this morning? Good. How about you? Uh, doing well. Uh, yes, sir. So I just wanted to answer the question about what would I do with that excess of money. Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, I think Elon Musk really does do a good job as an entrepreneur, and he's really trying to you know, grow his capital and make sure he's getting a big pot. That way he never has to worry, which I'm sure that's already not a doubt in his head. Right. But at the same time, with that excess of money, I really do think that, uh, uh, sorry, going into the future, I really do think that tech is just going to advance, and I really do think that some things are going to become outdated. So I think expanding technology on the things that are going to become outdated is really going to be important. And as well as that, uh, I know it's you know a big partisan issue, yada. But climate change, you know, you can't deny it. Some things are really going on, you know, in the atmosphere that we really got to take care of. And I think that if we expand technology on that and make it to where we can, you know, reduce some things and make sure that we're going to be here a little longer than, you know, yeah, making sure that we're here for as long as we can be, I really do think that that would be an important asset. Byron, we appreciate the call. Thanks for starting us off this morning. That is interesting stuff. I mean, if you, if you have, uh, you know, an endless supply of cash flow, Jeremy, um, climate change. And I don't know if it's, you know, there, I don't want to make it political at all, but I mean, regardless of whether you believe in that or if you think it's real or if it's a hoax or something like that, there are some climatary things that are going on on this planet that have been hyper accelerated over the last, you know, couple of decades that if you look at it, uh, presented from a scientific standpoint are troubling. Uh, it might not be troubling for us, but ultimately, you know, if you're worried about the world that your kids or your grandkids or your grandkids' kids might live in, that is something that uh, that you can work yourself up into a worrisome uh, tizzy thinking about. Uh, that, that's pretty interesting that that's where uh, he would go, first off, with, uh, with his uh, endless supply of cash. I like it. I like it. Um, I, I agree that we need more technology in those areas so we can have uh, more proof that there is an issue going on. If there is an issue going on, as you said, we'll be a little neutral on the topic here. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I, I like where that's going. Um, and he also mentioned, you know, it, 
the advancement of technology not going anywhere, uh, there's definitely going to be a lot more automation in the future. And that's something that we, I believe we have to be really careful with because with automation comes loss of jobs. And what happens to those people that need jobs? That's true. So that's for true. Our, for our budding millionaires out there, just keep that in mind because that's super important. And it's something that, that's taking away people's jobs every day. And with the development of artificial technology, artificial intelligence, which is where most of my money would go, cha-ching, um, <laughs> that's only going to become a, a, a bigger and greater thing. So just something I wanted to throw out there. Something that, uh, and again, Java and I were talking during the news break, something I, I joked about, and I don't know, it's, this kind of goes outside the realm of technology, but... You know, it seems like uh, a lot of our governments, whether you want to talk about civic, uh, county, state, uh, um, federal, they seem not to know how to manage money very well. And again, I'm not not calling out any right, not calling out any particular party because depending on you know whether you're local or state or federal, those can all be different parties, um, and both, Um, but. You could, with that kind of money, specifically like on the on the hyper local level. I mean, you could do, and I know it, it's a slippery slope because once you open that door, boy, uh, everybody wants a, a piece of that pie, and that's probably why this doesn't happen more than it does. But man, I mean, you could a guy like Elon Musk is worth twenty point six billion dollars. Just thinking of that in terms of the state of Mississippi, I mean, he could buy out. A lot of he outright with couch change, you know, relative to what he is worth, he could buy out a lot of Mississippi's problems. Or right. you, you want to look at the, the, the bigger metropolitan areas uh, in the state of Mississippi, uh, you know, the Jackson area, the Hattiesburg, Laurel area, the Biloxi, Gulfport area, the Tupelo, the Golden Triangle, Tupelo, Columbus, um, excuse me, Columbus, Starkville, uh, West Point area, the Tupelo area. There's so much that, you know, civic areas have to deal with as their areas grow uh, and, you know, the way technology is kind of slow and how, the you know, you can implement those things. Man, a guy with that much money could just buy cities and counties and states even out of their troubles with that kind of money. That's pipe dreaming. Um, but, all right, let me get back on point here. Let's go back to the phones. We've got jo- Joetta, who is in Clinton, uh, who is up next. And, boy, I just – I'm sorry, Joetta. I think I may <laughs> – I'm totally sorry. I think I may have just completely undercut your call right here. But you go just, ahead. How are you? You just undercut my call. I'm totally – you know what? <laughs> I don't I, need to speak now. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but go ahead. What would you do? Oh, this is uh, a dream that I have. No tech. Absolutely. Uh but I moved to the little town of Edwards in 1976. I had previously, my parents would move every year or two, and I would see pages and chapters in books. I would. I got to Edwards. I was there 10 years. I saw people grow up, get married, graduate from school, die, and I got. I developed roots in the little town. Just being there and meeting the people and seeing life progress past one chapter into a book. Well, since I've been there, they no longer have a pharmacy, a bank, uh, grocery stores. The, the town now are vacant lots, vacant buildings, and my heart is there. And I would so love to buy the whole place, 
reconstructed at the period it was probably at, at maybe its heyday in the yeah. turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right on I-20, a tourist uh, attraction. And I'm on my way driving there today, and so that you really hit hit the spot, because all I need is a billion dollars. <laughs> you know? I mean, everything else will fit, but I, it's just that one little clit, glitch. <laughs> That's it. You, you could uh, retrofit but, the entire town. <laughs> Well, exactly, and and have the the uh, people who live there be trained for brick masons, uh, carpenters, uh, have daycare for the families who could actually uh, make it happen, and then be employable. It's right on the interstate, and the uh, federal park service has just obtained eight hundred acres to make a federal Champion Hill battlefield. Oh I mean, wow! Yeah, potential there. I just need a billion dollars. Yeah, there's a lot of history through that area of the world right well, there. Joetta, that's a, that's a great idea. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. Well, today I'm on my way to, we're researching Andrew Sugarman Daniel, a local hero and um, animal whisperer, and we're going to be photographing uh, his history and the Edwards community. It's Andrew Sugarman Daniel, uh, the um, Andrew Sugarman Daniel Memorial Highway outside of Edwards was named after his heroic deeds in the um, March 29th, 1939, um, disaster when 80 feet of Highway 80 washed out one night. Wow. Cars were in there, uh, one truck, 16 people drowned, eight people. So Holy that's my mission, mission today. So you, you did it just at the right time. Just don't ask me a tech question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, don't ask me either. That's why we have uh, Jeremy. I, I serve all of those to him. Joetta, thanks for the call this morning, and uh, thanks for the history lesson, and I hope everything goes well uh, in uh, Edwards today. That's something, you know, as, and I don't, I don't want to put this all on the shoulders of technology, but as technology goes along, it seems like more and more people are moving from, you know, the little towns and villages out and about um, between here and there, and everybody's moving closer to the city. And so you have more of these smaller towns that just kind of, um, some of them disappear, uh, even these days. And, you know, some of them just kind of sit and they're kind of just withering. And, um, you know, if you had money like that, you could really turn a place like Edwards, for example, inside out. And that's very interesting to think about. We'll take our first break here. We have Bill uh, and Jerry on the line. You guys hang on. We're going to take a break uh, really quickly here and get right back to the phones when we come back. And uh, you can call us. Our topic today is uh, if if uh, you were a tech mobile, mogul, not mobile, mogul, and money were no object, how would you spend that money? How would you invest not just your money, but your time and what would you try to do to make the world a better place through technology or not? one mpb ring That's one 672 This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Thank you so much for listening on this Wednesday morning. Jay White here with Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Wilts is out this week. And again, our topic today is... Kind of going off the back of Elon Musk, who's worth north of $20 billion, 
Uh, he's been married three times to two women, by the way, and has had six children. Uh, so he's got some extra time in there somewhere. Um, what would you do with Elon Musk type money? Uh, $20.6 billion is uh, what he is worth. If you had that kind of money or if money were no object for you and you were a tech mogul, how would you spend that money? How would you invest not just your money, but your time? What would you do to try to make the world a better place through technology? One eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We will start this segment off with Jeremy, who's on the road calling us. Jerry, thanks for calling in. Good morning. Hey, thank you. Uh, I do a couple things. First off, I try to educate people about trying to control population because there's going to be so many of us, it's going to be hard for the resources we have to sustain us without a lot of GMO plants and without a lot of artificial fertilizer. And also, I would try and educate people and convince them that climate change is a real thing, and, and it's also something else that's going to make the world uninhabitable for us. That and just general overall education, not necessarily in these United States, but throughout the world, I think if people are educated, they can make better decisions, and that's all i got to say. Jerry, man, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks for calling in this morning. Uh, yeah, you know what, I would, uh, one of the things that I would, uh, to do, that I would do in, in that regard is, and, and I don't know if it's even possible in this day and age, but I would try to, uh, present, uh, the issues that, that our country, uh, deal with, uh, in a non-political mode, because most of the, most of the political outlets that you get, uh, because they're businesses, uh, not judging necessarily here one way or the other, but because there are businesses, things like Fox and MSNBC and all this kind of stuff, um, those are not just news outlets. They're owned by corporations who have investors and there are bottom lines, so they have to make money. So they have, they're, they're products more than they're anything else. But they're very slanted toward one side or the other because that's where they can make their money. Uh, if you want to look at it for what it is, uh, they have an audience they play to. And so that's profitable for them. They are businesses after all. But if there was a way that you could set something up uh, that could be totally in the middle, um, I I like to think NPR is. I think a lot of people on both sides think NPR is not necessarily um, uh, down the middle. But when you're used to listening to one ideology or the other and then you listen to NPR and they're kind of they present it from both sides it doesn't sound like what you're used to hearing anyway sliding down a slippery slope so let me get out of there Jeremy let me go back to the phones the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Bill is up next and he is in Memphis this morning Bill thanks for calling you're welcome uh, I'm considering a Chromebook can you tell me, are there any disadvantages? Is there something that I should be aware of if I buy one that uh, that I should know? I, the one I'm looking at is like $500, and uh, before I commit, I'm hoping to get some guidance. Okay. So uh, first off, you know that a Chromebook does not run Windows, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and it cannot have Windows installed on it. So if you got it and you didn't like the operating system that was on it, you are stuck with what was on it. Okay. Well, right. I use a lot of Google products, so 
that's the reason I'm attracted okay. to it. All right. Well, that's 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 great because that may tie right into your needs. Uh, it it ties right into the Google uh, ecosystem, and most of the newer Chromebooks, I believe, do run Android apps as well. Um, uh-huh. The the main thing is is that the Chromebook is very minimal in what it provides you as far as a user experience, but you're familiar with the Google products, so you know what's going to be on your machine. Um, they're very much internet connected most of the time. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. typically come with a lot of storage on them, but if you're paying $500 for a Chromebook, uh, which I think is pretty high for the experience yeah, that you is. get with a Chromebook, um, mm-hmm. there are some cheaper ones out there that you could check out that you could you know, kind of demo before you go uh, mm-hmm. putting that much into a Chromebook. Um, oh, there are probably okay. also mm-hmm. several out there in the used market because in my experience, most people that get them aren't very happy with them because it's not running Windows. It's not a traditional operating system. It's very much reliant on an internet connection to do mm-hmm. a lot of what you need to do on a Chromebook. So okay. that's that's been my own personal experience. I have not been able to use one that runs apps on the App Store I imagine that that experience is somewhat mixed because most apps were developed for smaller screens. So once you start using them on a bigger screen, uh, they can start to act up or not work at all. Gotcha. Um, and I do have kind of a, an interesting tech um, uh, topic. If I had all the money in the world, I would like to synchronize traffic lights. <laughs> in this day and age... It is absurd right. that um, we don't have the technology to just not have people staring at, at uh, empty intersections uh, while driving, uh, you know, cars idling for no reason. So uh, <laughs> That's very interesting, yeah. yeah. I like it, yeah. So, uh, again, as, as self-driving cars are becoming more prominent, mm-hmm. uh, that that technology will come along with that, but you'll be so busy sitting in your car reading a book and not even worrying about the traffic light, you won't even <laughs> well, know. Well, but the point is it stopped for, it stops for no reason. It's an empty intersection. Sure. And, uh, we're wasting gas and time and uh, attention uh, waiting for, for nothing. <laughs> right. I absolutely agree. Bill, we appreciate the call from Memphis this morning. Yeah, thanks for the help. All right, one eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you were a tech mogul, ma- mogul, why do I keep messing that up? Mogul with uh, which money were no object. How would you spend your money? How would you invest not just your money, but your time? And uh, what would you do to try to make the world a better place through technology? Our example here uh, today that we've called upon is Elon Musk, who is worth north of twenty billion. Dollars. He's a founder of uh, PayPal, Tesla, and SpaceX. Um, the original website for PayPal, Jeremy, do you remember what that was, or do you know what it was? I did not know this. Uh, I don't. I don't remember the name of it. It wasn't <laughs> PayPal though. X dot com. Yeah. Had to be first. Just be, just be the first one there, and uh, don't type in too many X's. X dot com <laughs> was uh, the name of the website, and. Um, Boy, PayPal has become a part of uh, everyday life for a lot of people. It is a technological advancement that continues to grow and continues to be part of. And it's kind of splintering to a certain extent 
Uh, I mean, you have like Samsung Pay, you have Apple Pay, um, you have Android or, or Google Pay, excuse me. Uh, and then you have PayPal. These are all things that you could use, uh, you know, with Bluetooth and your phone. And you don't even dig out a credit card anymore. It's very interesting how things like that are, are changing the way uh, that we use uh, money in the world today. Truly. And I'm, I'm actually getting to the point where I'm almost ready to put my cards on my own phone because I seem to find myself with my phone in my hand more than I do my wallet. And I'm just, I, for whatever reason, I've been leaving my wallet lately. And I'm like, man, I need to get some stuff <laughs> right now at the store. And if I have my cards on my phone, like 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 a techie guy like me should have, right. then I wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but I'm, I'm very close. Uh, one of the guys here in the radio department has recently gone ahead and just um, uh, bought one of those... Um, it's not a clip necessarily, but it's one of those, I think, little like magnetic pockets that you can attach to the back of your phone where you just stuff all of that stuff in there. And your phone is essentially now your wallet and it kind of all stays in the same place, uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, I've used those, but I, I had too many cards. I would break them. <laughs> right. One eight seven seven mpb ring is the number. one 672 Kimberly is up next on the phone with us from Alabama. Good morning, Kimberly. Good morning. Go ahead with your uh, comment this morning. Okay. Thank you for taking my call, by the way. Absolutely. Um, I think I'd have to divide my monies. Um, I don't have just one real pet project. But one of the things that I would do in this country, at least, would be to enact a program that helps the small farmer because uh, small farms, can create a diversification of food for us, which I think would elevate the overall health of the country. Um, the second thing I think that would be very important is to uh, put more emphasis <clears throat> in this country on education as opposed to, and no offense to the sports world, but as opposed to uh, sports, just because the, the sports are entertainment, but they don't further or enhance the development of humanity as a whole. And um, I think we should do a little more revering the nerds and a little less revering the jocks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And I think that it's so important in this point in time for us to really encourage trade skills in this country. Um, we've got to the point where we think that um, it's a case where every child should go to college, and that's just not the case. Every child does not need to go to college, but every child needs to know how to, uh, needs to be able to learn how to take care of themselves and support themselves. Um, and trades are so important, and we've neglected them terribly. I think um, apprenticeships programs would be a wonderful way to start. And then, like I said, the third thing, and then I'll shut up, is, (laughs) and perhaps the most important, would be to um, completely revamp the um, mental health programs in this country. Because most of the problems that we have in society, I think if you really dig to the very, very bottom and you ask the 
seven questions of why, 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 why did you do why, 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 the motivations, you'll find that so many times the the pains that are caused in almost every situation, whether it's very small domestic or whether it's um, political, whether it's some um, uh, corporate, the problems that we have very often boil down to what we are mentally and emotionally inside ourselves. And I think we just kind of get so busy with life that we forget. You know, we want to take really good care of our bodies, but not necessarily really good care of our mental state and our emotions and our spirits. Okay, I'm done. Kimberly, wow, that's that's a great call on, on many fronts. Great stuff right there. You you cut right to the core of me, Baxter. Uh, that was, man, so many things to uh, unpack and dig through right there. I'm a guy that worked in sports radio for 17 years, and I'm kind of detoxing from that now. So I understand completely what you're talking about as far as not revering the jocks so much. Um, I'm, I'm kind of reveling in that idea uh, in in my in this chapter of my life currently, um, I do think you can get a well-rounded experience with both. I do. Th- sports has or competition, I should say, has things to offer uh, to make a more complete and rounded person. But the problem is, is that far too many of us go far too deep into it without rounding off our interests uh, with other things that that make us not just jocks or jock followers. That's weird, but you know what I'm saying? Um, That's a great point uh, there. But then the other thing too, and this this may be, this scratches on the surface of, of maybe one of the biggest, if not the biggest issue in our country right now, and it is mental health. And the fact that there, it's such a, a deep issue and multifaceted issue. And so many people have been trained to think about it for so long, at least in the, the older generations that we have, um, including the ones that are in charge of most of the decision-making, at least for the time being, they've been trained to think a specific way about mental health for so long that they don't even know where to dig in to try to change the narrative about mental health. But I think everybody understands it needs to happen somehow or another. And that would be specifically somebody with that kind of money to try to dig in and make a specific impact uh, in that part of the world would be, I think it it, it would be a huge, uh, uh, it would be a huge deal in the United States of America specifically. Jeremy, any thoughts on uh, anything that uh, Kimberly had to say there? Yeah, um, I, I agree with the, the mental health issues, especially um, because you know we can we can keep finding ways to, to save uh, energy or, or uh, find new ways to harness it uh, and do things with it. But if we are not taking care of ourselves mentally and we keep getting buried further and further in mental issues that we literally can bury in technology and exacerbate with technology, then we're we're not helping the issue. So I, I believe that programs to, to help assist people in, in learning how to better handle things like that would, would be amazing. So great call, Kimberly, uh, from Alabama. Uh, Stirred the pot quite a bit there. We've got, we've got a rather uh, 
crazy pot of gumbo going on here with what with what would happen with all this money. We really do, but you know it's 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 kind of uh, digging into the interests of different people and kind of what they're thinking about in their personal life. And uh, so it's it's interesting interesting to hear where all the, the different people who are listening are and uh, what they would do with you know their time if they and money if they had the opportunity to uh, invest those things. It is uh, very fun to think about. Anyway, one eight seven seven MPB ring is the number one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Next, we will go to Diane, who is in Byram. Diane, thanks for calling. Hello, thank you for having me on your show. And I would like to say that with all the technology and all the satellites and CCTV, we need to focus on all of our children that are being exploited, kidnapped, um, focus all that on pinpointing all the hunger problems and get through to these children. I mean, if you're, if you're trying to make money with all these satellites, do some good with them, too. Absolutely. We, we, Absolutely. We, That's we a great point. To, we got to stop the whole dark web. I think it's called the dark web. I don't know what it's called. But where they sell, where they look at porn or children porn and all that. We need to stomp that out and make examples out of those people. And any way to trace. Anybody that has money needs to be looking for ways to save our children and help our children all over the world. Diane, thank you so much for the call from Byram this morning. Those are things that our state government has or have been dealing with. Uh, in the just the past couple of years, you've heard them talk about uh, uh, underage sex trade, and then of course you have like. Uh, um, you have food. Uh, I forget what they, how you call it, but there are like dearths of area in the state where there's not enough food to feed people, and not enough money for the people to get to the food that they need. And you're like, what? 2019, Mississippi, this is the United States. But yes, those two things. It it sounds crazy that that can be. Those can be issues that are real things in the year 2019 in uh, a place in the United States. But those are things that, and it's not just Mississippi, but it is things that even reach us here in Mississippi. And those that's it's great uh, ideas. And that is something absolutely that uh, uh, more people, if they had this kind of money, would deal with, and it would be a great thing. Let's uh, keep on going here. one eight seven seven mpb ring is the number. one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 Diane, thanks again for the call from Byram. Next, we will go to Hattiesburg, where we have uh, Relani. Relani, thanks for calling in. Good morning. Good morning. And I, I really would like to have that much money. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I did not learn in school how to make money. I heard uh, one of the Trump children say, something about she learned to make money. I wish they would teach that in school so we'd all know how to do that. But that's, that's, that's wishes. The one thing that I would do, which I think would help the entire country is, uh, and the world eventually, is to do something about our infrastructure, whether it's under the ground, on the ground, bus, whatever, by the, if we took all the people 
who are not making decent wages, and, and the minimum wage is not a decent livable wage, and bring people up to a livable wage, and by the time we fix our infrastructure, it would be like WPA back uh, after the Depression, Everyone should come out of working on those projects as laborers of some kind, whether it involves technology or not. Every person in jail should be have the ability have the chance opportunity to set their own time in jail by being a participant and learning a skill, a payable, learnable uh, skill, so they can be better citizens. And, yes, people have talked about education. It's critical. Without education, people believe anything they hear and see, and that's uh, very uh, obvious in this day and age with all the different viewpoints. Rilani, great call from Hattiesburg this morning, uh, and that's that's two calls in a row that have touched on, um, you know, the the need for more of an investment in uh, vocational skills, and I 100% agree with that. That's something that Mississippi has heavily invested in, particularly in our uh, com- community and junior college uh, system. Um, each of those campuses have invested heavily, and that and so there's you know there are 15 junior colleges in Mississippi, so there's one practically anywhere uh, close to where you live, and uh, in every different part of the state, and uh, they have all uh, invested heavily in uh, in the ability to get into the communities and teach people vocational skills, and to do so without breaking your back financially. Uh, and that's a really big deal. I'm, and that's, I mean, our community college system versus um, ones in other states. I mean, that's a, it's something that we could brag about here in the state of Mississippi. Uh, and that's something that they've really made a point to emphasize. And so we're actually kind of on the forefront uh, nationally with that. And that's a that's a that's a great deal uh, for us here in the state of Mississippi. Great point, Rolani. Thanks for the call from Hattiesburg. Let's go next to the county seat of Franklin County. Brian is in Meadville. Uh, Brian, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, I'd like to touch on the on, on the uh, on the last caller's thing before I say mine, and that is, um, I got out of the service, didn't want to go into uh, uh, college, so I went to a four year apprenticeship program to be a plumber. I spent thirty two years, profitable years, as a plumber. It can be done, you know. But um, uh, the, the comment that I originally called in about is uh, uh, recycled plastics. I think we ought to be able to recycle plastics into building materials, 2x4s, 2x10s, 2x6s, you know, stuff like that. Very and, interesting, uh, yeah. And, and the only thing is be the fire codes. That's um, true, we yeah. We have to tweak, you know, tweak fire codes a little bit, but... You know, we could gobble up a lot of uh, a, a lot of um, the recycled material and save trees at the same time. You know, absolutely. Hey, Brian, we appreciate the call from Meadville this morning, and, and great points. I'll tell you what, um, 
you mentioned uh, the, the the career that you had for a while. Uh, uh, did you say plumbing, I believe it was. We had a guy who worked in our television department here. He was a uh, a technical director. This is a guy who directed all of the live stuff on television here for a long time. He he was a uh, contract employee for ESPN. Uh, directed a lot of uh, uh, game, all sorts of college football and basketball, and all these different games. It was a, a technical director for hire. It, extremely uh, great at what he did, and he kind of got tired of it. It's a lot of travel, and uh, it's a thing that is universally uh, underpaid, and it's contract work largely on top of that, which you know you're always hustling with uh, in regard with that. Uh, he just decided to get out of it and he got, uh, he went into, you know, some HVAC work and, uh, saw him a few weeks ago. The guy, he, he can't stop answering the phone. He's got nonstop work working in, uh, you know, HVAC and just completely did a, a right turn on his career and went into a vocational skill as opposed to something that he learned to do in school. And he's having the time of his life right now and uh, he he can't get rid of the work uh, which is i think a lot of people what a lot of people would be afraid of is not having you know making this jump and it not working out for one reason or another Uh, but it the work is there especially in mississippi and you're talking about air conditioners and we don't have those personal air conditioners yet (laughs) so (laughs) your pocket acs yet so uh there's always going to be uh, plenty of demand for that. All right, let's go back to the phones. We have uh, Leon, who is uh, calling from Tennessee this morning. Leon, thanks for calling. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes, yeah, so if I had all the money uh, to spend it, uh, in the world or whatever, but uh, I would get into uh, putting in an immense rail system throughout the United States, including the bullet trains. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw on TV... Uh, uh, the beginning of the week, or maybe last week, that on a Wednesday, there were 224,000 jet planes flying throughout the world. You can imagine the amount of fuel that was burnt up and the pollution from that. Now, the reason they don't want the rail system is because trains don't burn anywhere near the amount of oil uh, and fuel that uh, planes do. And the other thing has to do with with pollution. Um, you know, obviously, with global warming going on, I mean, that's a huge factor in it. And so now we see the problem with the planes that, that are grounded. They're flying 30-year-old planes. This is ridiculous, okay? When a plane malfunctions, it goes down, we can see what happens. Everybody yeah. dies when it crashes. So we need, you know, and also we need to put aside enough money to pay off the politicians so that uh, they can um, pay off uh, the oil companies, you know, because that's who, that's why we don't have a rail system. And that's why we have so many jet planes. Okay, thank you. Leon, we appreciate the call from Tennessee this morning. That's just it. You $20.5 billion, you can go above the need to politically backscratch people to get your ideas off the ground. So I appreciate, uh, or at least in theory, you could. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. I would love a high-speed rail system that could take you to and fro uh, from, uh, 
you know, town to town uh, in this country. It's something that, yes, that would be fantastic. Let's round out our calls today with Kathy, who has called in from Greenwood. Kathy, good morning. Good morning. So if I, if I had unlimited financial resources, I would uh, use it to upgrade the technology infrastructure at historically black colleges and universities across the nation, but especially in Mississippi, minority-serving institutions, and low-resource local schools. There you go. Absolutely. And that's something in Mississippi, you know, the public school system. Teachers. Boy, that's, uh, I mean, yeah, and that's that's a thing that the the, the current uh, gubernatorial race, that that's going to be a big issue there is, you know, paying our teachers uh, at a wage that's, you know, comparable to the states around us and the national average. Uh, man, if you could just pour some of that money into the public school system, that would, you know, that would go a long way to curing a lot of our ills. Kathy, thanks for the call this morning from Greenwood. We appreciate it. Uh, and the HBCUs, too. Absolutely. Uh, they still uh, serve. I mean, the, their their original purpose has kind of shifted as uh, society has shifted, but they still play a humongous role uh, in uh, the education of uh, uh, Mississippians, uh, thousands of Mississippians each year. Jeremy, uh, we got just a couple of minutes left because of all the calls we've had today. But tell me about Calls. the the on again, off again, back off, back on, maybe, and now it is again, Samsung Fold. All right. So uh, like we talked about last week, I think, or whenever it was, um, uh, they messed up the design. So they went back to the drawing board. And now they're, they've been quiet about it because the Note 10 will be uh, announced in a week. Uh, so they're saying September. Ah, Okay. They so, haven't even given like an actual date, uh, but they're saying September. That's right around the corner, though. Yeah, it's pretty close. Wow. But I, at this point, I don't know, man. I would be apprehensive to go in with this thing because it's been uh-huh. so the, – the, the idea of it being a thing has been so temperamental over the last just four or five months. Right. Uh, it's, I, I would it, at least wait, new- wait for the first wave of reviews or something like that. Well, definitely, but it's it's such an important launch because this is historically the first one. So they really want to kick this thing off this year. They've been sitting on it for a while, and I think they're just they're ready to 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 push something so they can prove it. Because so far it's just been kind of like uh, released to some journals, uh, you know, tech outlets and whatnot. But but as far as like publicly seeing it, we haven't seen it yet. All right, the Sony Rion Pocket AC Heater. Japan only right now? When can that come yeah. to Mississippi? Well, see, I was I was hoping that they would wise up to the same thing, uh, <laughs> or, or just the, the United States in general. So it's not just a uh, little thing you keep in your pocket. There's actually, like, shirts that they are designing for it so that you can put it in a little pocket on the shirt, and it will distribute it in a, in a more effective way, I guess, but I'm sure that you can keep it in your pocket. But yeah, they definitely need to bring that thing to Mississippi. I see it. You, you In your notes to me, you said it lowers your body temperature by 23 degrees Fahrenheit. That's, that's what it claims, yeah. And raises, raises 14 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's an AC and a heater, so man... 
That's yeah. fantastic. Jeremy, thanks as always uh, for your time this morning, and thanks for all of our callers for calling in and giving us some great ideas this morning. Our show was uh, engineered by Java Chapman. Lori Thompson was our call screener this morning. I'm Jay White. We encourage you to listen to us again next Wednesday at 10 for Everyday Tech, and stay tuned. Dr. Jimmy Stewart has Southern Remedy coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.